Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Here we are, people. It's 1 o'clock. It's Monday. It's January 3rd. I'm Dan Nathan. That's Guy Adami right there. We do trading spaces every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. They're sponsored by CME Group. They're the sponsor of our podcast, On the Tape Podcast, that drops every Friday. We do that with our good friend, Danny Moses. So please check that out in the podcast. You can check out recordings, Guy, these trading spaces in the podcast store under trading spaces. Yes, and they will be there under their own podcast kind of nation. So please follow that if you want to hear this stuff again, okay? And I will also ask everybody, if you have a question for Guy and me, let's kind of keep it down kind of the middle here. We don't do altcoins and we don't do really small cap stuff. So kind of keep it as something that you think the audience might really enjoy listening about. But tweet those questions to us at underscore trading spaces or at uh, at Amanda Diaz. She is our crack producer, our head of content um, at Risk Reversal Media. All right, let's get going here, guy. There's, There's a lot going on in the stock market right here. I mean, you and I were just talking a bit before you had this great year in the S&P 500. I think when you add back dividends, it was close to 29% higher on the year. Um, here we are. We have a market that is higher because it is open, as you would say, but it's getting a lot of help from Tesla, which has just regained, I guess, that trillion-dollar market cap mark there. It's become a big stock in the S&P 500, guy. Very important stock as well. I think technically it's done everything it should have done. I mean, we've mentioned it a number of times now, but we thought it would do that back and fill down to the $900 level, which was the prior all-time high from February of last year. And that's exactly what happened. As Carter would say, Penny, it happened, and now it's subsequent. I mean, I look at it here, and I think it's set up to take out that 1240 prior all-time high, which isn't saying a lot, obviously, at this point. But I think it's going to do it in relative short fashion, I think you can continue to see a grind higher. So, I mean, for you armchair technicians out there, I think Helena's here. In in my opinion, Tesla's done everything right. The other thing you have to look at is the performance of the banks. Obviously, a lot of hit and misses with banks over the last few months of the year. But the move in 10-year yields, again, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but a 10 basis point, 11 basis point move in a 10-year is pretty significant. Now north of 1.6%. I mean, two weeks ago, Dan, we were trading at 133. Yeah. It's, again, the volatility in the bond market to me is noteworthy. And I see Porter Collins is on here, and I'm sure he's nodding his head in agreement because at a certain point, that volatility in the bond market should make its way into the Well, I, I think it, it is today. I mean, that is the story. If you look at the banks, the way they're screaming, and look at the way home builders are down, um, I mean, I think that has something to do with that. Home Depot and Lowe's on the back of some of the home builders, um, pretty weak here. I just say this, guy, a year ago today, 
the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield was below 1% and, and, and went screamed right up to 17577 was the intraday high in late March. And I guess the point, you know, Danny Moses, our partner in crime on, on the tape, has mentioned this on numerous occasions for months now, is like, stop looking at the 10-year, really focus on the two-year, because that's really the one that's, you know, really driving the train as it relates to what the Fed is doing with uh, quantitative easing, their taper of, and then the uh, expectations for rate hikes here. So, you know, Fed funds is pricing what? A pretty decent chance right now of a rate hike in the March meeting. We know they have the um, the Fed's meeting in January. I just say this, a guy right out of the gate. I mean, let's talk about OPEC plus. We're going to get some commentary this week. And then we're also going to get the jobs number, the December jobs number. Now, obviously, this this variant is is done a number on some expectations as it relates to, you know, probably hiring and as it relates to economic activity. You've seen a lot of GDP estimates come down for Q4 and Q1 already. But those two things, a tight jobs market and higher prices for commodities and other services are really the main straight here as it relates to what the Fed is is likely to do in the next few months. They can't backtrack at this point. I mean, they have to they have to be steadfast in this about face they did uh, basically a month and a half or, or so ago. And I think it's long overdue. I think a lot of people probably agree with me. So I think I look at crude oil and I think we're going to have triple digit crude. I thought we'd happen at the end of 2021. That obviously didn't happen. But I think crude's going to continue to be a story. And then I look at some of the names today. I'm Schlumberger up 5%, PSX up big. So energy names making a move. I, you know, I think energy is a real story. And again, the job market is, I, I can't believe that anything can happen right now. And just again, my opinion, I think the variant we've learned how to deal with it. And I think we're going to get on the other side quicker than people think the airline stocks, by the way, and the travel stocks are suggesting exactly that. I think the fed has no choice and we'll see what happens. Now you have two years to your earlier point about what Danny's watching, you know, either side of 80 basis points now, I think you're going to see that spread, that 210 spread, come into about 30 basis points. And I said it's probably going to be about you know, 140 to 170 or thereabouts, and we'll see if I'm right. But we're going to get close, and I think it's going to happen quickly this year. All right, fair enough. Um, you know, talking about what's going on today, I mean, a lot of things are moving around. The semiconductors, which – you know, the SMH, the ETF that tracks them, which is heavily made up of NVIDIA and a lot of its outperformance last year had to do with its 130% gains in NVIDIA, but also Taiwan Semi. This is really interesting because that is the largest component of the SMH. And it was basically, I think, unchanged or up or down a few percent um, in either direction. Taiwan Semi right out of the gate, a big foundry up six and a half percent. Semis are up uh, close to two percent here. And when I think about tech in general, you know, the CES is going on this week in Vegas. Um, There was, you know, a lot of questions whether it was going to go on or not. And really, is it important as it relates to tech investing? Not really. A lot of companies are out there and they're doing a lot of meetings. um, And these are like pre-earnings meetings. And, you know, they're generally not giving out too much information, but I think the body language is important. But to me, what's really fascinating about tech right here is that look at Apple out of the gate up 2.5%. Look at Amazon up 2%. You know, Google and Facebook up a little bit. They're underperforming the market. Microsoft, though. Microsoft and software in general acting very poorly today. And then a bunch of those high valuation um, kind of SaaS names um, also getting hit kind of hard. So I think that's that's kind of an interesting dynamic in tech. Any thoughts there, Guy Dami? I think it's on the back of rates is my sense. I mean, high valuation names in that space specifically, I think are going to fall under 
you know, there's sort of this sort of Damocles out there in terms of yields for those names. And I think as long as yields 10 year stays, look, stays in this sort of one, four, one, five, five range, I think they're fine. I think once you start getting outside of that, I think there's concern. So to me, at least for today, that's what, that's what you're looking at there in terms of those names. And I think it's worth watching. I mean, it's amazing. Again, broader market is impervious and the word I'd obviously love to use to everything, but under the surface, you have this jockeying of position with so many different names. It's really interesting to see that the broader market doesn't seem to care. But again, under the surface, right. there's a lot of damage. Question, guy. Um, so in the last, I want to say month, I don't know if you saw XLP. It's the ETF that tracks consumer staples, Procter, Johnson Johnson. You know, those are big names, Coke and Pepsi in there. That traded on day of December down to 70, and it closed, yay, okay, on the 12-31-21, so the last trading day of the year, at 77 and a quarter, okay? So that was a huge move, about 10%. You could do that math. Um, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just you. want to make sure that you know we're on the same page here. And then in utilities, the XLU also had a similar sort of move. Now, to me, you and I had talked about that on a couple occasions in December, that was not bullish to see those two groups have that sort of move from the start of December. The XLU went from 66 um, almost up to 72. Again, a big move here. What do you think that was saying, um, you know, about kind of investors positioning into 2022? It's amazing. I mean, but you just mentioned the XLP. I, you know, they had that obviously downdraft, but I mean, we're within a whisper of an all time high. I, you know, I, it's so hard to figure out what to make of any of these things and utilities. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. You look at that and say, what is that suggestive of? And I don't think it's particularly all that bullish. But again, maybe is this some new paradigm that I'm not aware of? You know, we're talking about an S&P 500 that's within an earshot of 4,800. What's the all-time 4,808? Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's a foregone conclusion that 5,000 or so is in, the, is in the crosshairs for early this year's. So I don't know if, if bringing up these sectors individually has the same gravitas as it did maybe five or so years ago, Dan. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm. All right. So let, here's one that I think is important. It's like on a lot of investors kind of minds in the first trading day of the year. Um, when you see certain groups that had massive outperformance trade down really hard early in the new year. And, and I'm looking at big pharma right here. OK, so Pfizer obviously went from. You know, in October, mm-hmm. in the low 40s, it was traded as high as the low 60s just a couple of weeks ago, getting hit nearly 4% today. Moderna, I think, was the best performing stock in the S&P last year, despite despite a huge sell-off, right, from its recent highs, down 8%. Do you think this is literally just investors kind of holding out with gains and waiting until the new year for tax purposes? I'm not sure what it is, or maybe it's something that's this concern that, again, in 2022, big cap pharma is going to be under the microscope in terms of the amount of money they're making, those types yeah. of things. You mentioned Moderna. I mean, it's amazing that that even with the move that they had, this was a $497 stock, I want to say, in September August. Or, or right around August. there. August. So I'm close. And here we are, 233, and seemingly about to take out. That recent low we saw, but I think 230 was about 230. I don't even know when the recent low was. I think it was below 230, 225. Yeah. So I, it, it's remarkable to me. I think they're the having to have nots. Eli Lilly's getting whacked today. Um, I'm not certain why. I'm sure there's a story. I haven't looked at it. But I do think there's going to be a place for big cap pharma. I mean, Pfizer, and you mentioned Pfizer early last year as a name you wanted to be, and that's proven 
I, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I, we played a game of traded or faded last week on fast money. And I'm Moderna was one of the names that I got. And I'm like, look, you know, I was a Moderna fan, but I think you got to fade it. And I think it probably trades down to, you know, 180 or so, which was the prior all time high way back in uh, February of last year, Dan, or yes, of last year's. It yeah, it was out. as of rates. I'm going to go back to a couple areas here. I want to go back to crude. You, you know, you mentioned oil, you mentioned energy as being a thing. And so I'm looking at the Dixie up guy and I'm looking, so it's a U.S. dollar index uh, and I'm looking at rates, which we just talked about here. So in your mind, if rates are going to go higher, Okay. And let's just say the dick has a magnet to that like $100 level. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have higher rates, you got a higher, higher dollar. Can crude really go up that meaningfully in your opinion? And, 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 and again, you know, it, it, it traded as low as, you know, the mid sixties or so on that recent downdraft with this variant a couple months ago, or, or it feels like a couple months ago, but it's really just in late November, early December here. So just your, your quick take on, you know, my history, and you know that I'm just like a creature of habit here. I, I just remember in 2013 when the Fed started to contemplate taper and tapering their QE and then they raised rates in the next year or so. I mean, dollar went up, rates went up, crude oil got absolutely slayed, right? And so to right. me, I know this is different because we have this weird scenario with, you know, just the fits and starts of the pandemic and the global economy and the way it might reflate um, and it may be spotty in my opinion. I look at that crude oil chart guy. And I see the right shoulder of a head and shoulders top forming. And, and if, if you want to take this bet, 86, I, I'm looking at 729, okay? If you wanted to take this bet, 86 or 66. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go the high. I hate to say it's different this yeah. time because I, I, just, I, never, I just hate that phrase. And you're right. I mean, a rising dollar and higher yields suggests of a crude that's going to have difficulty. This will be my answer. I just don't think it's going to go up as fast as it probably normally would, but I still think it's going to grind higher. I, I Look, energy was a story all of last year. It had a rough summer, obviously. And then in November, you had the SPR release from the administration, and you obviously had the Omicron variant became news that Friday after Thanksgiving. That obviously knocked the wind out of the crude yeah. trade, but it's back on its horse. And I just think crude's all a right, story let's do this. nobody wants to let's talk do about. This. So I think higher. Two months. Two months from now, okay. Let's do let's do a dollar a point, okay. Um, from your higher, I'm lower. All right. I think I think sixty six before eighty six. You want to do that? Little little. I don't know what a dollar well, point like, means. So against it's a ten dollar bet. Yeah, it's a it's a ten dollar yeah. bet. Come on, we, we're not big time. We're we're pikers, as you know. Um, all right. No, much different, by the way, and on the tape with you and Danny. Oh my Moses, God, which I'm getting out. What was he this weekend, by the way? He he won DBA. both of his picks, and and so I think he's like 25 and three. He's, he lost so on his now he's, So now he's 24 and three. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, got I got a bit of a problem uh, against him. I I, I got to tap out at 10,000, and 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 I'll be done. But I have until the Super Bowl, so I gotta I gotta I gotta do some stuff. All right, but but real quickly, guy on oil stocks, you just mentioned the OIH, the oil services. You, you I think we were we did a, a show last week. I think it was on a market call where you uh, your one of your top picks was Halliburton. Halliburton for yeah. 2022. So I'm seeing Hal having a big move. I'm seeing the OH um, outperforming. So, I mean, listen, I, I've not been uh, bullish. Ned Michael's not going to be particularly happy with us. I think he closed out of his OIH position. He just got sick of my bearishness. I, my, part of my point was that it just hasn't anywhere. And it's acted very no, poorly know. relative to crude oil's bounce of late. So curious your take on OIH. 
All right. So if you look at OIH from a technical standpoint, 170 or so has been support a couple times. If you, if you look, we traded down there basically in the beginning of December. We made another push now. It seems to bounce off those levels. And we're in this very defined sort of 170 to 220 range. And you've obviously had some move to that 220 level. I think it's too cheap. I mean, if you look at the big three components of it, Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, and Halliburton, I mean, I know you don't look at these names specifically on valuation, but you have to incorporate valuation at a certain point, and they're just too inexpensive. And I think Halliburton, you mentioned that was one of my top picks. I'm going to stand by that. But I think Schlumberger is too cheap as well. And I think this OIH, which, again, has been in this range, is on the next leg again to that 215, 220 level. And we'll see what happens if and when we get there. But you've been able to trade that range it really well in this entire year. If you go back and look, it's not unlike what we saw in the IWM. There's a very well-defined range that's been trading in between. And I think, look, I think we're going to break out of it. And you think we're making a tremendous head and shoulders. I mean, that's what makes markets. That is what makes markets. All right, let's hit the broad markets, though, Guy. Let's look at this S&P 500 really quickly because we know that we had this really sharp bounce um, over the last few weeks, up about 5.5% or so, making a little bit of a flag above that kind of consolidation of bookout level here. Does it continue? Do we just have a runaway breakout? And, and listen, I know that there's been a lot of comparisons between the bifurcation in the markets with some of the bigger, bigger names, and then just a lot of everything else that's acting very poorly. You and I spent the last couple of weeks quoting some tweets about underperformance in the NASDAQ relative to the big mega cap uh, leaders, how, what percentage of them were above their 200-day moving average, and, and really all of it speaks to the fact that the breadth was narrowing, right? And so here we are, though, like I just mentioned, to start the year out. And we have Apple up two and a half percent and Tesla up 11 percent. And, you know, again, you have this situation where, you know, if I look at the S&P 500 guy up, you know, 20 bips right now, I say to myself, OK, like with those names, Apple being the largest and some of the other biggest components, NVIDIA is up, you know, nearly three percent, obviously another big one. You know, are we are we bound for the same thing where it's just like. 10 names that make up a disproportionate amount of percent of the broad indices, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 do all the heavy lifting, or does it set up for a really, really sharp sell-off? And I take you back to Q1 of last year where the S&P sold off about 5%. The NASDAQ sold off, you know, one and a half X that, but some of the biggest names, Apple sold off 20% and people don't think it can happen again. But the longer we go like this, the more distance we have, the more concentrated these positions, the more dangerous it actually happens if everyone heads for the door at the same time. It does happen. It's happened a number of times. And so it, there's this interesting, and I've never said this on the show and I, because I hate these stupid sayings, but People do use them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. People will come on and basically say, don't fight the Fed. Okay, I get it. And when they typically when they say it is when the Fed is in this easing cycle and money's easy and don't fight the Fed because the market just goes higher. Well, if that's true, if the, if the mandate or the mantra of don't fight the Fed is true, then it should be true the other way. And they're completely doing a 180. So if you're not fighting them one way, you shouldn't fight them now. And what does that mean? Well, maybe the market is ahead of itself. And if the Fed has now changed course, if you don't want to fight them the one way, it stands to reason that you wouldn't want to fight them when they go the other way. So that's what I would say. I think the worst thing that can happen to the market this year is if you see this early um, in the year blow off top to the upside where we maybe print 5,000 in the S&P 500. I think the best thing that could possibly happen 
is you get that long-awaited 12 to 15% downdraft on the back of God only knows what, and that sets us up really well for the back of the year. So, again, I don't know if I'm answering your no, question, you are. but I we're, mean, setting up, we're setting up for a really dangerous period of time because you know, the same people that say don't fight the Fed when things are great and the market's going higher, well, stands the reason they should be the same people that say, well, the Fed changed course, we're not going to fight them now. Yeah, I guess the one thing that they got going for them is that the market's done this. Rates have gone higher. Commodity prices and prices and stuff, inflation in generally, are higher. The stock market continues to go, you know, in, in this direction where it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, if anything, it seems like investors are pretty happy about the fact that at least the taper is happening, um, at least by the price action in the stock market right here. And th- this is assuming that there are no other variants in the near term. I mean, listen, you know. All of this growth that's been clipped off of Q3 because of Delta, Q4 because of Omicron, and Q1 because of Omicron, you know, if you're expecting to get it back, you know what I mean, at some point in Q2, Q3, I mean, that was the story in 2021. So I'm just not sure that happens. I suspect that we see inflation lower than people expect, and we see growth lower than people expect in 2022. All right, last thing before we take some questions, because I know Amanda's got a couple you know, crypto guy, if you're looking at what's going on right now, um, you have Bitcoin, which is just below 47,000. It's in the middle of this range from the July lows that was about 28,500. And then those highs, which are, I don't know, about 67,500 or something, just in the beginning of November, it's below its 200 day moving average. It's down 33% or so from those highs. We know that last year there was a 55% peak to drop decline. Um, and, you know, we may do highs from there. Um, but generally, the underperformance of Bitcoin relative to ETH, Ethereum, is, is the big story when you have Ethereum now down about. 23% from its recent highs. And it looks just technically a lot more constructive. Any thoughts on two, okay? What does it mean for risk, okay? Now, like, if you looked at Bitcoin at $880 billion market cap, that's basically, I don't know, like a Facebook or something like that, Ethereum at 450 That's like a JP Morgan or something. Like that. I mean, like, these are not small sort of things. Now, my question the assumption is they're not in any equity indices. They don't really matter. But a lot of people who have risk in these markets have risk in the stock market, right? And they're also, a lot of these people in crypto are buying uh, board apes for 150 grand that could tomorrow for no reason. There's, there's a Twitter space going on right now, and I'm not trying to give any life to it, but it's like board eight yacht club racism problem. And there's 2,200 people on that. And so, I mean, at any moment, one of these things could kind of blow up. And my only point about bringing NFTs, and I find all of it fascinating, and I'm in for all of it. I'm really interested in all. But these are financial instruments, even the NFTs, the profile picks and everything like that. And people are paying money for these things that could be going to the stock market, could be going to savings, could be going to pay the rent. So I'm just curious, as, as, as we go into 2022, you saw Ethereum massively outperform Bitcoin in 20. Uh, 21, although Bitcoin did well, up 60%. Thoughts on crypto as it relates to risk in general, Guy? Well, I've incorrectly thought that a sell-off in crypto would lead to a sell-off in the broader market. Now, maybe I was just wrong in terms of what the sell-off was going to be on the back of. Maybe it was going to be a sell-off some of these high-growth, high-valuation names. Maybe that's the connection, right? Maybe it's some of these names that have gotten whacked anywhere from 30 to 70%. And maybe that's where the correlation is. You know, I've thought that the correlation was going to be to the broader market, specifically the NASDAQ. That hasn't come to pass, but it has come to pass maybe in some of these more speculative names. Obviously, I, I believe that crypto is a hugely speculative asset, commodity, current, whatever you want to call it. 
And maybe they are linked to some of these higher growth, higher valuation, more speculative names. And maybe that's where um, you can draw the you can draw the connection and stuff. But again, at a certain point, I think it has to it has to factor its way or find its way into the broader equity market. And we'll just see. But it hasn't happened yet. No, it's, it's uh, you know, it's notable. And one of the reasons why is like you've been in the markets for decades and decades and decades. You know how I did that? See what I did there? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's always true. It is but it's, it, it's always it's worth noting these pockets of exuberance right that are like kind of in and around and, and it's not just listen it's not just crypto stuff i mean look at look at housing look at fine art i mean there's like the, anything that's not you know kind of bolted down has had tremendous returns and so the question is yes you better pay attention to what rates are doing because that is a really important part of it all right let's let's get to some questions here amanda um tweeted out some some requests for some questions here's one guy from at Bobby Bender 19. Okay. Uber and Airbnb. By the way, I love Bender in uh, Breakfast, Breakfast Club. Club. I cannot Breakfast believe Club. that you saw that movie. You know, he's also, he, what was his character in Trading Places? He was in, he was in St. Elmo's Fire. He wasn't in Trading Places. Yeah, he was. He, no, he, you're, you're, yes. you're, no, you're talking about Beaks. Bender. Oh, I'm talking about Beaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, oh, Bender was, um, was uh, Judd. Uh, That's right. Judd, Judd, Judd Nelson. Nelson. There you go. All right. Uber and, Uber and Airbnb both have come out and said business is good. Airbnb announced sizable bookings above pre-COVID and Q4, both $20 lower than mid-2021 levels. Thoughts? Um, well, well, $20 on Uber and $20 on Airbnb are different things. Guy, hit it. Well, obviously, I mean, that is true. I, Airbnb, so we came out with our – what do you call it when you link letters together, Dan? Acronyms. Yeah, acronyms. acronyms. Yeah, we, we had last week they asked us to do – 2021 was my hope trade. That actually worked pretty well. 2022 is my dawn trade. And the A in dawn is Airbnb. And look, Airbnb has gotten whacked, probably for good reason, like a lot of things. I think it was trading north of $200 uh, in November, traded down to 165 but it's getting off the mat. And I think Airbnb is going to surprise. If you look, all the airlines, and I linked airlines with these travel names, which Airbnb is one. They all topped out in May, April. Well, they're all getting off the mat now. And they topped out when the news was yeah. at its best for the vaccine. And they seem to be bottoming out when the news is at its worst. So don't be surprised to see Airbnb significantly higher. I'll say this about Uber. When you play the would you rather game, I like Lyft a lot better. And I think Lyft's a better company. And I think their pathway to profitability is a lot clearer. And if you go back and look at the last quarter they put up a few months ago, um, it was extraordinary, except the stock didn't trade like it was. And I think the stock is finally starting to figure well, it out. Well, it traded it traded briefly, really, really well. Uh, briefly. If you, if you, no, I know. Like and, hours and, and I'll briefly. just, uh, yeah, no, but it traded up 10, 15%, and then it just got lights out. It's interesting if you look at that chart, maybe Amanda will throw that up there. That $45 level all year had been huge technical support. It blew through there. It went as low as, what, 37 or so. Now it's back up against there. It gets through 45. I mean, that quarter, as you would say guy was ridiculous that they reported in early november so we're not going to get their announcement until february we did have logan green if you recall the co-founder of the company on fast money yeah I think it was early december and he actually you asked him a question which we don't ask ceos too frequently on fast money but you're like you basically said based on the results that you had can you explain what's going on with the stock and he pretty much flat out said i think the stock is way overdone it's too cheap and we don't hear too many ceo founder chairman types to say that sort of stuff but also i will tell you that you and i did not 
um, collude on our acronyms for fast money. I also had Airbnb. I had AARP in honor of your most recent you, birthday. Well, that's I a had, big year for me. This I had year, Amazon. So I had Airbnb. I had Roblox, and I had uh, Palantir. That was one that you had in your acronym for 2021. I'm going to take the the handoff from you there. All right. So that was my take. So I like Airbnb. I also like Amazon um, a lot. I suspect that outperforms Apple. Uh, Google and Microsoft this year. All right, let's see if we got another question here. Um, here's one guy from Jake Long. Okay, Jake Great Long. Great football player. I think one of Howie's sons. Welcome. Oh, he could be. Um, he's got a podcast, actually. He's really funny, too. He's good. Um, he said, would like to buy Baba, Alibaba, but am hesitant. And on investing in Chinese companies with the unpredictable regulation. Guy, what do you got there? They're all trades. And, you know, you're trying to find a window where you can trade it. And last week we did um, trade it or fade it with Baba. I think Alibaba was trading 113. I said, look, I don't think the news cycle is over, but I think there's a window to trade it. And I think you trade Alibaba and it's in a very well-defined downtrend from the Halloween of 2020 when the stock was $310. But along the way, at least five or six times, you've seen 20 to 25% bounces uh, to the upside and still in this downtrend. And I think we're in that right now. So Bob is what, 121 right now, if, yep. if I'm looking at it. I think there's a chance you could, you could trade up to 135 and still be in this very well-defined downtrend, and I think that's what's going to happen. So if you're asking me, I still think there's room to the tune of about another 11%. Or All right. I got one for you. I, I Listen, I've been wrong in Baba uh, on numerous occasions over the last year, and I've been absolutely shell-shocked by just the, the violent move, consistent mile, every every rally. And there are sharp rallies. There are bear market rallies, but they get sold and makes new yeah. lows. Here's one name. The stock went public last year, Didi. And when you look at this stock guy on November 15th, it was trading – I don't know, nine and a half dollars. Well, here it is at five and a quarter ish or so. It's right off of its recent all time lows, just that it made, you know, last week or whatever. I mean, if there's ever a reason for this stock to go up, it's going straight, you know, above six and maybe to eight where it broke down or something like that. So that one is kind of interesting. I know the Wall Street Journal had an article this morning talking about the performance of the Shanghai Composite, nearly $13 trillion in market cap, only second to our stock market. And so there, you know, it was up maybe four or 5% of the year, but very near, you know, multi-year highs while U S listed Chinese companies have absolutely gotten creamed or so. So, all right, listen, guy, we got to get out of here. We took some questions. It was fun. Um, here's the deal with these, um, trading spaces they are going to be in their own podcast feed so wherever you get your podcast apple google spotify check out uh trading spaces please subscribe to it leave us a review share it it helps people find it that's really important also thanks to cme group they are the sponsor of our trading spaces monday and wednesdays at 1 p.m eastern they're also the sponsor of our podcast on the tape that drops every friday with our good friend danny moses he's our third co-host we also have a brand new podcast okay computer you can follow that in the podcast store we have a murderer's row of tech people operators investors um thought leaders who join us we talk tech the intersection between public and private markets web two and web three and it's really been awesome so please follow that in your podcasters we've got a lot of stuff going on and then guy market call look at it on our twitter the mkt call you can follow it on twitter we tweeted it out we did market call charts with carter braxton worth this morning we're doing market call 
macro tomorrow. Um, Peter Bookvar is going to join us. That is sponsored by CME Group. Today was sponsored by FactSet. On Thursdays, we do Market Call Street Research, sponsored by FactSet. SoFi, Liz Young, the head market strategist at SoFi, joins us. That was a mouthful, guy. Um, any I'll parting say, words, my buddy? God. So follow fantastic. it all. Enjoy our content. We enjoy making it. We please. We appreciate you guys being here with us, huh, guy? No, I do as well. And listen, feel, we definitely want to take more questions in 2022. We're working on it. You know, we're trying to work with Twitter to make this thing a little cleaner for people. But we'll get there, folks. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll see you all. Guy, I'll see you on Fast Money tonight, buddy.